Hey, I need you to locate two points of interest that we're going to look at tonight. So first, I need you to go and get 1 Kings chapter 3. Once you find that, I need you to earmark it. And then I need you to move over to James chapter 1, because that's going to be our starting point. So 1 Kings chapter 3, once you find that, make a mark, and then move over to James chapter 1, because that's going to be our takeoff point as we get started tonight. The older I get, the more increasingly difficult I find it to stay relevant with you guys. Now, as I say that, I want you to understand I'm not attempting to or concerning myself with being trendy or hip or whatever. I'm 15 years older than the youngest age represented in this room. And that's usually about how many years behind the fashion trends that I stay. So it's not my goal to look like you. It's not my goal to act like you. It's not my goal to try and talk like you. To do so would be weird and honestly probably inappropriate in a lot of ways. There's something to be said about acting the age that you are and I hope you guys find it to be true as you mature in life. The older you get, the more mature you act. Just, just act your age, okay? Don't, don't be that guy that, that one day is 45, 50 years old and you're still trying to be 20. That's not a good look. You're not doing yourself any favors. People are laughing at you behind your back. Like, just accept the fact that the clock's running on all of us. There's nothing that we can do to stop it. You are going to get older. I'm having to deal with that reality every time I come into this room and see you guys sitting in front of you. But in what God has called me to do, it is my job to relate to you. So I try to stay aware of trends. I try really hard to stay knowledgeable of your interests and your struggles. And that being said, I was in a store a while back, and there was a group of guys kind of the next aisle over from me. And we'd like passed each other on previous aisles, so I had an awareness of their presence. I knew about what age they were. And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to pick some stuff off the shelf, and I can hear them on the next aisle over. And then all of a sudden, it, it just got crazy all at once. These cats started laughing and yelling and cutting up at one another. And then they started, they started saying, we got him lacking. We caught you, bro. We got you lacking right then. And I was like, uh, what's lacking? Like I said earlier, it's hard for me to keep up. It's really hard for me to keep up with the lingo that you guys are running around here nowadays. And so initially, my thought was, what in the world is lacking? And then I kind of put it out of my mind. I didn't really think about it again. I had, I had stuff to take care of, places to be, people to see, all that good stuff. And so I put it out of my mind, didn't think twice about it. And later on, I was scrolling through some reels. We all have the guilty pleasure of wasting immense amounts of our lives and time in front of a stupid screen. But I was flipping through some reels. And, you know, these things, like those devices, they listening and they're watching. And so I guess my device heard these guys in the store. It's because I started noticing, like, on my reels, like, I started noticing this word popping up. People being lacking, people being caught lacking and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out what in the world this is. So I started doing some research of my own. By definition, lacking, I feel like such an idiot even saying it. <laughs> it, like, doesn't work. Y'all are looking at me like, this old guy, this old dude is trying to use our lingo and it's not working. It's got a point. By definition, lacking is to be caught by an enemy without a weapon to defend yourself. It can also mean not paying attention, being caught off guard, 
just being generally unprepared. Now, it's funny to me the things that God sometimes uses as teachable platforms and moments in our lives. So here comes our first series construct for the semester, not lacking. Turn to the person beside you and tell them, God doesn't want you lacking. God doesn't want you lacking. All throughout the Bible, we find disciplines, we find instruction, we find personal decisions that we are cautioned, encouraged, and even challenged to not be caught lacking in. So over the next few weeks, we're going to highlight what I believe God has shown to me as some of the most important ones, and we're going to launch with one that we find in James. So James chapter 1, starting in verse 5, God's word says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So here's my title for this first installment. I want wisdom. And I've subtitled it, Request It to Receive It. We don't want to be caught lacking wisdom. God's word makes that very clear. And I think it's important, though, for us to distinguish kind of out of the gates that wisdom is different than knowledge. Knowledge is just information gained on a particular subject. You guys are furthering your education right now. You are expanding your knowledge on specific subject matters. Wisdom is different. Wisdom is the ability to make sound judgments and decisions. So wisdom is of monumental importance for us. Why? Because we need wisdom for life. Knowledge is a good thing to have. And the Bible doesn't down knowledge whatsoever. But if there's one that it does elevate kind of over the other, it's going to be wisdom because wisdom is what we need to carry out everyday life decisions and judgments in a way that honors God. So wisdom is of paramount importance to our lives. And God simply tells us that if we lack in it, to ask for it. Now, you may have came here tonight hoping that you're just going to receive something extremely deep from God's word tonight. Like we were going to just find, we're going to unlock some truth that you've never seen before. Here's the secret to gaining wisdom if you lack it. Ask for it. I know that's like really, really deep. God says, if you lack wisdom, here's what you need to do. Here's your, here's your one-step process. Ask me. Ask me to increase it in your life. It's just that simple. Let's not overcomplicate this tonight. Now, I want you to stay with me in this, though, because I know, like, we're going to talk about wisdom. That's not quite a zinger of a topic, so to speak. But I need you guys to really lock in and grasp just how important this is in your life now. Now. Everybody say now. Now. I'm going to be speaking some wisdom into your life from experience, but my prayer for you is, is that you don't have to have experience to gain wisdom. You can have it now, right now. You don't have to walk through things of life like I have. You don't have to walk through experiences of life like I have. You don't have to make bad decisions and bad mistakes like I have to tell other people not to make those same bad mistakes and bad decisions like I am tonight. You can have wisdom now to not do those things. That's why we, we need to have, we don't need to lack wisdom. So I'm going to show you some particular things about wisdom and, and why it's needed in our lives and what it can do for us. And to do that, I'm going to call upon King Solomon to help me out. 
So this is where we're going to go back to 1 Kings chapter 3 and settle in for a little while. And to give you some backstory, Solomon is the son of King David. So David is, is moving off of the throne. His time is coming to an end. His life is drawing short. Solomon, his son, is going to be his successor. Now, Solomon has a conversation with the Lord that we're going to see here in a few moments, and he's going to ask God for something specific. You can probably guess what that is. And as he does so, we see his reasons behind why he asks for that specific thing. So as Solomon prepares to take over the kingship of Israel, God's going to appear to him in a dream. And he's going to ask Solomon, what do you want me to give you? So check out what happens in 1 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 3. It says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. And Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. That was their way of worshiping back then. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. Now, this is completely unrelated to anything else I'm going to try to teach you tonight, but I think it's worth stating that God showed up with a blessing for Solomon after Solomon had given his sacrifice and praise. So many of us want God to just dump out blessings upon our life, but we are silently absent when it comes to us sacrificing for him. That's backwards. We need to be careful about asking God to bless our lives if we're not willing to sacrifice for his. And so Solomon's making sacrifice, and God shows up, and he's about to bring about a blessing in Solomon's life. Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And if your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil." For who is able to govern this, your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Solomon, as he sacrifices unto God, the presence of the Lord descends upon Solomon's sacrifice. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, when that would happen, it would cause the person that was there making the offering to kind of fall into a, a fixated trance type state. So it tells us that Solomon was in a dream state when he was speaking with the Lord. This is not like a fantasy dream, though. This is actually taking place. 
So God is speaking to Solomon through his dream, and he shows up and he says, Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? How would you have answered that question? If God showed up to you and said, what's something that you desire? What do you want me to give to you? How would you have answered that question? I think it's an interesting thing for us to contemplate because the way in which we answer that question reveals the true depths and state of our heart. And so Solomon, seeing the opportunity, doesn't ask like I feel like many people would for give me, give me the money, give me riches, give me fame, give me fortune, give me status, give me the hands of my enemies. Solomon didn't ask for any of those things. Instead, he asked God to give him wisdom. Give me an understanding mind. And as we walk through this, we get to see Solomon's motives behind that. So Solomon essentially said back to God, God, I want wisdom. And here's the first thing that we learn from that because I'm basically clueless. We need wisdom in our lives because if we're ready to admit it like Solomon, we're basically clueless. As Solomon speaks with the Lord in the dream, he thanks him for his love and his faithfulness. He extends his gratitude for the opportunity to be king following after his father David. And then he just makes an honest admission. If you go back and look at what he says when the dialogue with God begins, he says, God, I'm but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. So essentially what Solomon is saying back to the Lord is, I'm young and I'm dumb and I'm going to need help. I'm clueless as to how to be a king. I'm clueless as to how to lead a nation. I'm clueless when it comes to how to govern people. And there's no way that I can step into this role and do this job correctly. Now, there's some debate as to exactly how old Solomon was when he became king, but a good number of scholars think that he was between the age of 20 and 22. That's the same age range as a lot of you sitting here tonight. Imagine at this season of your life being given the task of taking over a nation. Most of us freak out over just making sure our schedule gets made correctly for the next semester. We got to have an advisor to do that. Solomon's fixing to take over an entire kingdom. He says, I'm becoming king of a nation. I don't know if you caught this or not. He says, Lord, I'm becoming king of a nation so big, we can't even count everybody. And I'm a clueless 20 year old. So, you know what I want from you, God? I want wisdom. Because I'm clueless. I have no idea how this thing's supposed to work. Yeah, I've been around my dad, I've seen how he's done things but it's never been on me. It's never been my responsibility. I have absolutely no idea how to handle this situation. Let me share with you something that I found to be true throughout my life. With each new stage of life I enter into, I'm basically clueless. I can vaguely remember back to my junior high days. So when I, when I, you know, you have your elementary graduation, it's like a big deal. And then you walk into that junior high hallway for the first time and you're just like, Yeah, I'm starting to stink. You don't know what you're doing. You're clueless. I remember when, 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 I, when I first had to like understand the concept of changing classes. Remember the first time you had to change classes? Like that turned my world upside down. I used to go into school and we sat in the same place the entire day and we went to pee and we went to lunch and we came back and that was the only two places that we went the entire day. And then we start changing classes. I was like, what is this phenomenon? I got a locker. 
I got to I got to remember my 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 lock code. Like it was it was overwhelming. Like I, I felt clueless in that stage of my life. And then as soon as you get done with that, you transition into high school, clueless all over again. You're the fresh meat walking down the hall. Absolutely no idea what's going on, trying to get adjusted to a whole new phase and a whole new season of life. And about the time you claw your way to the top of that ladder, what happens? You graduate and you head into college where you're at right now. Clueless once again. You walk onto a college campus and you're like, how on God's green earth is anybody supposed to be able to find a class around here? Like we used to have classes all existing kind of in the same building. You walk onto a college campus and you got like 17 different facilities and you got a class here at 8 that lasts till 8.30. And then you got a class all the way over a mile and a half on the other side of campus that starts at 8.35. And you're like, I can't even do that. Like, clueless once again on, on how to handle the situation. Clueless on what in the world you're going to do with your life. The vast majority of y'all in here right now are absolutely clueless. Quit looking at me all spiritual like you got it figured out. Like, loosen up a little bit. You're clueless. I know. I sat in your seats. Some of you think you have it figured out, and maybe you do, and you're going to get out, you're going to graduate, and you're going to realize, uh, I, I didn't know. I made me wrong choices. This shouldn't have been what I decided to do for the rest of my life. Like, you, you graduate, you move from college, and then you're clueless all over again. You start a career. You walk in that first day of work. You are absolutely clueless. You got a degree. You got an education. You have no idea how to use it. You're like, we're going to put you through training for the first two weeks, and you're like, okay, sounds good, but is, can I like get an extension on that? Like, does the training have to stop after two weeks? Can, can we stretch that out to like a year or two to make sure that I'm good? You get into your career, you're clueless. You get into marriage, guess what? You're clueless. When you first enter into marriage, you're absolutely clueless. I don't care how long you have been dating that person, you're clueless when it comes to marriage. You have no idea how things are about to change when you get underneath the same roof of that person and everywhere you go, there they are. You just thought you loved each other. And then you get married for a little while and you decide you want to be a parent. And guess what? When you first become a parent, you are clueless. And then after you've been a parent for 25 years, you're still clueless. You have no idea how to handle each new phase of life. You decide to have another kid and you think, maybe I can do it better this time. And you jack them up too. <laughs> clueless. This is exactly why, like Solomon, we need to be asking for so we're not lacking in wisdom. Ask for it. Be ready to admit that, that we are absolutely clueless when it comes to the decisions of this life and the past that we're supposed to take and the purposes we're supposed to walk out and ask God for wisdom in it. Solomon, what I love about Solomon is he saw his own lack. He saw his own cluelessness. He didn't try to hide it. He knew left to himself he would royally, and I quite literally mean royally, mess things up. So will I. Left to myself, in this life that God has given me, I will royally mess it up. I'll fail constantly. I'll make bad decision after bad decision. I need wisdom in my life. I had a coach who used to tell us this all the time. He, he used to say, fake it till you make it. Which basically meant, even if you don't feel confident, act like you are. Even if you don't know, act like you do know. Because eventually what you lack will become realized through how you act. Let me give you some wisdom. That doesn't work. I tried faking it. I got found out to be a phony. We're we have convinced ourselves into thinking embarrassment is found in not knowing. 
That's not true. Embarrassment is found in pretending to know, then being discovered that you don't. Better to just upfront own it and say, I'm clueless. Don't know. Don't pretend to know. Not going to pretend to know. God, I need help. I need wisdom. Solomon, I think one of the bravest things he did, starting out his kingship, was speaking to the Lord, I do not know how. Don't fake it till you make it with wisdom. When God says all you have to do is request it so you can receive it. Just ask. Solomon says, I want wisdom. The other thing we see that he wanted wisdom for was to navigate complex situations. So if you go back to verse 9, the first half of that verse says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. Solomon wanted wisdom in order to be able to justly govern the people. It's an extremely complex thing to lead a nation and to deal with people. Solomon knew he did not possess the wisdom needed to navigate those complexities. Listen to me right here. Without wisdom, complexity can become compounded. It will double stack on top of itself quicker than you can get yourself out from under. You ever played Tetris before? Anybody ever, ever gotten into Tetris? I know it's an older game, showing my age once again. I used to play Tetris. That was a game of, of quick decision-making. It's like you had to see what's going on. You had to line up the shapes and, and, and the directions and all that, the colors, all that good stuff. And the thing is about that game is that the longer you went, the kind of quicker it got. And if you made one false move, it got out of hand so quick. Like you put one square peg in a, in a wrong place, instantly that thing would start stacking up on top of the next thing you know, you're dead, game over. Life without wisdom can be the same thing when we encounter complex situations. The moment something happens, if we don't have the wisdom to handle it, a complexity comes down, we don't know how to handle it, and then the next one stacks on top of it, and 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 then guess what begins to happen? It starts adding and building stress and anxiety in your life. Solomon knew this would be stressful enough as it is trying to lead a nation at his age. He did not, in ignorance, want to compound his complexity, so he wanted wisdom. He said, give me an understanding mind. We may not be leading a nation, or tasked with governing people, but our lives, your lives, still contain complex situations. Listen, that most times involve decisions being made in the midst of heavy emotions. How many of you know that relationships can be complex situations? And I'm talking about all spheres of relationships. Maybe it's just a friend circle. Your friend circle can encounter complex situations sometimes. Maybe you've got a situation with a friend. Maybe there's something that has to be or needs to be confronted in their life or talked about or something that they're going through that you're trying to help them navigate, even though you yourself haven't been through that. That can be a complex situation. Dating relationships can be complex situations. Knowing the right moves to make, knowing whether or not to continue to progress in this or remove myself from it, dating can be a very, very complex situation. Family crisis that enters into our lives can be complex situations. Some of you may come from broken homes. You may have seen divorce at its ugliest. You may have gone through some family crisis where you lost everything that you had in a in a tragic accident or something like that, a, a house fire. There can be complex situations that we face amongst our families. 
We can, we can at any moment experience an accident or an illness or receive a diagnosis, a complex life situation. At any given moment, every single one of us are just one or two steps away from some kind of catastrophic failure. Some of you may be closer than others on tomorrow's science quiz. Failure can be a complex situation that we need wisdom in how to handle these things when they come up. So in the midst of these things, what happens is if we lack wisdom, we can easily compound an already complex issue. So if we try to handle our relationship situations without wisdom, it's already complex as it is. But devoid of wisdom as we walk into those places, it can easily become compounded and get even worse. The same way we're trying to handle any kind of crisis that you or your family may have to endure, the same way with any kind of accident or illness or diagnosis that you might receive, any kind of failure that you have to endure, those things that are just a part of life, we try to walk through those things devoid of wisdom, they can become compounded and it can get even worse. And the next thing you know, you're stressed, you're worried, you're full of anxiety, your hair's falling out, you can't sleep at night. People are telling you you need medication, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So as King Solomon also held the responsibility of governing the people. So what does it mean to govern exactly? Well, simply put, to govern is to control and direct the affairs of the people. So he knew if he didn't handle these affairs wisely, not only would it hurt him, it would hurt the nation as well. So listen to me. Handling a complex life situation without wisdom won't just hurt you, it will hurt the people around you. But having wisdom for these moments brings with it some major benefits. So here's what I want to give you. I want to give you a wisdom benefit package. Congratulations. You get a wisdom benefit package tonight. Now I want to show you some things that wisdom does in our lives that can help us during these moments. The first is this. Wisdom helps us to manage our emotions. So when we face complex situations, emotions can run high. And they can get out of control in a hurry. You ever had your emotions get completely out of whack? Wisdom helps us to control our emotions and manage them amidst complex situations. Wisdom helps us to rationalize what seems irrational. So oftentimes, life comes at us fast. We get caught off guard. We get caught in an unexpected way. Things can seem irrational. It's hard for us to understand exactly why in the world this is taking place, why this has happened like it has, if we carry wisdom with us into those irrational moments, it will help us rationalize what is taking place and how God can guide us and lead us and use us through those things. Wisdom gives us an elevated view. When we find ourselves in a complex situation, sometimes the only things that we can see are right in front of us. But when we carry wisdom into those situations, wisdom gives us an elevated view. It gets you off the ground so you can see the things around you, not just right in front of you. So you can know there's more to this than what directly is in my view. There's other things that are at play. There's other things that are going to walk themselves out. Wisdom prevents a reflex reaction. This is a biggie. When we face complex situations... Sometimes we are very, very, very quick to just react, to flinch, to jerk, to speak or say or do before thinking through what we're going to say or what we're going to do or how we're going to respond. Wisdom slows us down 
and prevents us from just having a reflex reaction to something that we didn't see coming. One more. Wisdom removes biased solutions. Ultimately, we are selfish people. And when we deal with complex situations, more times than not, we want that situation to turn out for our best interest. Even when that might not be the best interest. Wisdom, when we carry it into those situations, keeps us from making biased solutions based solely upon ourselves. It takes everything and everybody into account. Solomon said, I don't need wisdom just for me. I need it for these people that are around me to better them. Life can get complex. We need wisdom for those situations. One last thing, and we are about to motor our way through this. Solomon said, I want wisdom to know I'm choosing God's will and way. In the second half of verse 9, he stated that he wanted to be able to discern good and evil. So he's saying, I need help, God, in making good decisions. I need help in making decisions that honor you and align with you and are righteous in the ways in which they lead me. So we mentioned Solomon's age earlier and the fact that he was probably around 20 to 22 years old. Wisdom is more needed in your younger years than any other time of life, I believe. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that. Because it's that time of our lives that we're most likely to make dumb decisions. People are always reflecting back on their youth to tell you the dumb things that they did back then. So what's that tell us? Wisdom is needed now. You need it now. Not later on in life, but yes, later on in life, but you need it now. This is, this is the time of your life when you are at most risk to make some of the dumbest, most regretful decisions that you could ever make. Ever made a dumb decision before? 100% participation. Every single one of us at some point in time in our life has made a dumb decision. Asking for wisdom will significantly help us in making good, righteous, God-honoring decisions. Do you want that for your life? And I want to make decisions that honor God. I want to live in a righteous way. The only way I can know to do that is if he imparts his wisdom into my life. But you know, this goes even deeper in its meaning. Solomon wanted to be able to discern God's will and way. So he wanted to know and see the path that God would lay out for him to follow and to lead these people down. Listen, he didn't want wrong decisions to lead him in wrong directions. Pursuing plans or purposes that weren't of God. At this season of your life, you guys face a lot of big decisions. I get that. Particularly in choosing a course in which your life is going to go down. There's a lot of ways, so to speak, in other words, that are set before you to possibly go down. As followers of Jesus, I think you guys would agree with me in this, that our desire should be to follow his way and his will for our lives. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says... Paul's writing to these believers. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So Paul says we need to make the best use of our time. And what Solomon has shown us is that if we're not careful, 
wrong decisions can creep into our lives. And those wrong decisions can lead us in wrong directions. And most times, those wrong decisions that produce wrong directions that send us down wrong paths come as a result of us pursuing plans or purposes of our own desires, not God's. And Paul says, we don't have time to waste. We do not have the time to waste. Life is too short, men and women, to make a wrong decision that leads us in a wrong direction simply because we just didn't want to ask God for the wisdom to show us His will and His way for our lives. I get asked a lot, Trey, man, how, how do I know God's will and way for my life? I get that, I get that question all the time from your age group. I'm going to give you a simple answer. Don't overcomplicate it. Remember, it's just like wisdom. All you got to do is ask. You want to know God's will? You want to know God's way? You want to know God's direction for your life? Here's what you do. First things first, align yourself with his word. That says, God, I see your word. Uh, I see what it says. I know what it calls me to. I'm going to align myself with it. That says to him, this is my obedience. After you do that, then you're going to ask for his wisdom. This is you saying to God, give me your sight to see your path. Proverbs, book of wisdom, God tells us this, for us to not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge him, align with your word, give me your wisdom, he will make your path straight. One last thing, when he makes it known, when, when he illuminates that path for your life, accept his way, go down it. So many people get right to that point. Man, I know so many believers that are like, I, I want to know what God's will is. I want to know what God's way is for my life. And so they align themselves with his word. They ask for wisdom. They ask God to make it known to them. He leads them right to the head of the path. And then they choose to not go down it because they're scared, because they're uncertain, because the only part of the path that's illuminated is the next step that's in front of them. Listen, that's all you need. You don't need to have the entire trail lit up. You just need enough to see to take the next step. And God in His grace will do that if you'll just start walking down that path. Isaiah 30, 21 says this, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or to the left, this is the way. That's God's assurance behind you, young men and women who are seeking to live out His call and His purpose upon your life. That is His assurance saying that if you'll follow in obedience to me, if you'll trust me in faith, I'm gonna be behind you saying, this is the way. This is the way, this is the way. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. But it takes wisdom, it takes wisdom. Hey, I, wanna, I wanna leave you just with a, a cluster of God's word of how great wisdom is. James 3, 17 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Proverbs 3, 13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And the one who gets understanding, Proverbs 2, 6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Psalm 90, 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Proverbs 24, 14, know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 14, 16, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. 
But a fool is reckless and careless. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Don't you want wisdom? They say with age comes wisdom. And that's true to an extent. But I think what God has shown us tonight is that with asking comes wisdom, regardless of age. Let's not get caught lacking when all that is required is asking. You want wisdom in your life? Don't be caught without it. Much better to have it.